Amen. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat. Just in case uh, you d weren't observant as you walked in or you didn't realize what that thing in the back was, we have baptisms happening this afternoon, right at, right at the end of our service. Let me say this, if you've not been baptized, there's an opportunity for you today. You say, ah, but I didn't bring the right clothes. Go home now. Get them and come back. You'll be back by the time we do baptisms. All you'll miss is a sermon. And uh, much better that you obey Jesus than that you hear another sermon. And you can listen to it later. I, sh I should remember that part. For those who are getting baptized, sometimes it's a bit daunting when you uh, have a whole bunch of people. But I'm going to tell you, we're all for you. We've all done this, and most of us. And uh, it's a time of celebration when we choose to follow Jesus. So, absolutely wonderful. Uh, if you pass the offering containers while we're doing this, just a point, someone asked me to point out that on our website there's a link if you would like to give your offering directly bank uh, transfer. That's on the website. I never said, mentioned that. Someone said, why don't you mention that once in a while? So this is my once in a while. And then I don't have to worry about it again. Don't have to think about it. Next Sunday, young adults have been invited to our house for pizza. And uh, that, that will be next Sunday immediately follow the service. Yes. The question is, what's young? And I'm not going to answer that. If you consider yourself young, you're welcome to come. I'm going to ask uh, anyone who works for or with or volunteers with City Mission, would you stand? All the City Mission people, if you work, Steve, there, stay standing while I talk. All you guys. Okay, you just remain there for a few minutes. I had the privilege of uh, attending the City Mission AGM, and I was just absolutely overwhelmed by what a blessing this organization is to this region. Uh, the Inside Out touches 1,400 students in 62 schools. Sometimes we don't realize just the impact. 19,000 meals this last year, 6,500 or more beds for people who had no place to stay. Uh, Steve pointed out that City Mission is now in the top 5% of charities in all of Australia. There are 57,000 charities. To give you some, some comparison, there's 13,000 churches in the whole nation. So there's four times as many charities as there are churches. But that 5%, all the rest of that 5% is most likely national charities that have an impact in the nation. This is a charity that has an impact in this region. It's amazing. And so I just want to acknowledge them, but I would like to just pray. I mean, this is part of, we as a church partner with uh, City Mission. We give a percentage of our income to them 
uh, which is great. But that's not what this is about. Just realize that we partner with them, but we never talk about it. <laughs> and I just felt the challenge. So if you're around them, we just lay your hands on one of these guys. Let's pray. Lord, we're just so grateful that your kingdom is being advanced, not just through your church, but through organizations like City Mission. And in the name of Jesus, they're touching people, wanting to see them transformed. And we just pray your blessing on every person who's involved, everyone who's ministering, everyone who's uh, connected there, every volunteer. Lord, 165 employees and over 500 and something volunteers. We just pray your blessing. Thank you for the impact it's having in this region, probably greater than any other organization in the nation having an impact in a region. And so, Father, we're just grateful for that and ask that you pour out your favor on these guys in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've been thinking about volunteering and you can't find it, probably a, a better place, please understand there are a lot of other great organizations. I'm not saying any other organization isn't great. They are. Uh, I know that we've got some people involved in Scripture Union and many other things that fantastic. Uh, but I just happened to have the privilege of attending their AGM this week and was overwhelmed. Okay, we're going to dismiss the uh, children and their teachers. And so if you're here, if you haven't signed your children in, would you do that, please? Oh. Yes. Um, Go ahead. If you're visiting today, I thought I might just give you the heads up. Um, the... Four to 11-year-olds are going to be without me in the big room there. And we've got a creche for two and three-year-olds. And um, parents with babies are welcome to that as well. And they will just text you if they need you. But I just thought, I just really felt in worship to share the heart of why we do what we do when we're here. Um, and we choose to have our kids here in worship with us in the first half um, because kids learn, serve and return. Um, they, they mirror what they see their adult caregivers do and we want them to see us worship um, and we want them to be part of the fabric of all the generations um, of the church, which is why we choose to have them with us and we love that it's messy and we love that God loves our kids um, and we love that sometimes they just cut loose and do some little dance moves and whatever, that's awesome and that's welcome. Um, but we are going to go out there and do some cool kids stuff as well while you all just sit still and listen. Um, <laughs> But we just wanted you to know that it's more than just the 45 minutes out there that we do it, that they're learning to worship them while they're here with us, and that's a choice we make. So if you need to jump up and break into a dance move at some point while we're preaching, go, go right ahead. We've been talking about becoming like Jesus He's the focus of the church, he's the head, he's the, the bridegroom and we're the bride. But we were reading from Ephesians chapter 4, Jesus gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, let me say that again because I stumbled over that, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ till we come to the fullness of the stature of Jesus. So those gifts represent Jesus and we become like him as we're impacted by those different ministries. So we're looking at what those are and how they represent Jesus. We talked last week about Jesus being apostolic. Hebrews chapter 
3, verse 1, says, considering the apostle and high priest of our faith. We talked about apostles being sent ones with a message for the nations. In John, the book of John alone, 47 times it talks about Jesus being sent. And he had a message for us. So we're becoming like him. That's the goal. So I'm kind of covering a whole bunch of things at the same time with the goal of us being like him, but also an understanding of what are these gifts for in the church and how they impact us. And so as I said last week, each of these gifts will have an impact on every one of us. So we're becoming like Jesus in that we're becoming apostolic. Our focus is on Jesus and we have a call beyond ourselves and a message of the gospel. So every one of us, so we're becoming prophetic, which we'll talk about just now. We're becoming teachers from the standpoint of understanding the authority of the word. We're becoming evangelistic with a heart for the lost and uh, pastoral with a heart for one another. We'll talk about all those things. But as I said, what happens is that we all kind of resonate to different frequencies here. And so when we talk about one, everyone is lifted a little bit, but some people just, we're talking about the prophetic, and they go, yes! And they're lifted higher. They're, there's a resonance, and they go, yes, this is it. This is what church should be. Why don't we talk about this every week? Why don't we just do this? Why don't we just focus on this? And then we talk about evangelism, and others go, yes! Everyone's raised, but some are just raised even more because they have a, a resonant frequency that, that uh, connects with that. And they say, this is church. Why don't we just talk about the lost every week? And we talk about the pastoral, and we talk about loving one another and the covenant relationships. And some, some go, yes, this is church. This is what we should be doing. Reality is that Jesus gave all of them. See, the problem is when we pick and choose one or the other, we miss out. If we're going to become like Christ, we need all those, and we need to become mature, the full stature of Jesus, not just the things that we like. So we want to talk about the prophetic today and next week because I couldn't get it all in today. And then I got sidetracked and I had more. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, you're the one who leads us in truth. We just thank you that as we gather, Jesus, you manifest your presence among us. As we focus on you, as your kingdom, your rulership is received in this place, that you do amazing things in us and through us. Holy Spirit, teach us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 24, verse 19. The, the guys who were walking after Jesus' resurrection referred to him this way. It says, uh, he said to them, what, what things? Jesus was actually talking to them, and, and they were talking about what had happened in Jerusalem. And he said, what things? And so they said to him, 
things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in words before God and all the people. John 6.14 also calls him a prophet. There was something of Jesus that was the prophetic. We want to talk about that. Prophet isn't what we often think of a prophet, someone who stands up and declares a message. It is that, but it's much more than that. So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures and then make some comments and then see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So in Ephesians chapter 2, from verse 19, it says, Now therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. There's something of the apostolic and prophetic that allows us to be a dwelling place of God. That's part of the, uh, the goal there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28 says, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healing, helps, administration, variety of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have this gift and that gift? And he says this, let me just make this comment. I don't believe that this is setting a hierarchy of order. Hierarchy is not biblical. It's not how the kingdom functions. But when we try and impose this, we say, apostles are above everyone else. And then there's prophets. And then there's teachers. I think he's actually talking a chronology. When, you're, when the church is being built, the first thing that foundation needs to be built is the apostolic, the focus on Jesus, the message of the gospel. Because if you don't get saved... You can't walk in the Holy Spirit. Then you add to that the prophetic, which is the Holy Spirit. So the first gift is a love for Jesus. The second gift is a love for the Holy Spirit, hearing God's voice. But you have to have that within the context of the apostolic, meaning that the empowering of the Holy Spirit is so that we can impact the nations. It's not just so that we live happy lives. Then you add to that the authority of the word. The teacher. Because the word is what God has said, so what we're hearing God say has to be judged by what God has already said. So it gives us a safety and a framework, and we'll talk about those in the weeks to come. I'm trying hard not to get sidetracked here. But there's just so much I'm excited. Uh, John chapter 16. In verse 7, Jesus speaking says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Now, if you stopped right there, you would say, this is crazy. Jesus walked on the earth. He did all these miracles. And he says to his disciples, it's to your advantage that I leave. How many of us would have kind of re reacted a little bit at that point? I would have. But he goes on and says, For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you, the helper, the paracletos, the one who stands alongside, the Holy Spirit he's talking about. 
And so he's saying it's actually to your advantage that I go away because the Holy Spirit will come. Now, when Jesus was on earth, he lived in a physical body, and so he was limited by space and time. He can only be one place at a time. Can you imagine what the church would be like today if we didn't have the Spirit, who can be everywhere, but we still had Jesus? We'd all be flocking to wherever Jesus was, and we wouldn't fit in. We're still flocking to wherever Jesus is. But he's given us the Holy Spirit. And then Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We all like that part of the verse. But it doesn't stop there. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. When we understand the apostolic, which is a focus on Jesus and a message of the gospel to the nations, we understand he's saying these, this prophetic, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, has to be in the context of the apostolic. They fit together. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So the apostolic is this focus on Jesus the message of the gospel to all nations, and then the empowering that comes is not only for our life, but it's for our ministry. You still with me? So, prophetic. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What is the prophetic? The word prophecy literally means to speak forth. So it's basically speaking forth what has been heard. It's more declaring than it is foretelling. Too often we think prophecy is foretelling. There is some of that sometimes, but it's much more declaring what God's saying. Okay, I want to give you three aspects. I gave you three aspects of the apostolic last week. I'm going to give you three aspects. Hopefully I won't get too distracted. First aspect of the prophetic is intimacy with God. It's actually just recognizing and enjoying his presence. Now, when you understand what Jesus has done, we can enter into his presence. Hebrews 4.16 says that we can come boldly to the throne room of grace. We can enter into his presence. We don't have to stand outside. Jesus has made a way. Psalm 100 Verse 1 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Let's talk about his presence. We enter. We're no longer seeing from afar off. We're no longer stuck outside, unaware of what's happening. We can actually come right to the presence of God. How often do we kind of take that for granted? and ignore it. Matthew 27, 51 says that when Jesus died, the curtain in the temple was split from top to bottom. There was a place where the priests would come and then there was the Holy of Holies where God's presence lived and the people couldn't go in there. And Jesus, with his death, split that curtain. We can come into the presence of God. That's what that, I could preach the whole morning on that one. But we can come into his presence. 
That's the very first part of the prophetic, an understanding and an enjoying the presence of God because everything flows from that. The second aspect follows from that, which is hearing his voice, hearing God's voice. John 5, 19, Jesus says he did nothing of his own initiative, but only what he heard the Father saying. When Jesus came, he laid aside his godliness, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. He became a man. So Jesus was God who became man, but as a man, he functioned in the same way we do, which is by being obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He said, I do what God tells me. That's what we should do, huh? John 10, 3 and 4, talks about my sheep follow me because they know my voice. They hear my voice. We're his sheep. One of the blessings of relationship with God is that we have the privilege of hearing his voice. Every believer has the privilege of hearing his voice. So how does God speak? I heard a sermon once on 12 or 15 ways God speaks. I thought that was pretty cool, but I couldn't remember it all, so I boiled it down to two. (laughs) Because I'm more simple. But there's probably 12 or 15 in here. But let me tell you, God speaks to us internally, and then he speaks to us externally. Internally is everything, that the still small voice, the, the prompting of the spirit, the, the dreams and visions and all those things that happen inside. I read a scripture and it's highlighted to me and God's speaking something to me, all that's internal. But in addition to that, there's external. There's something outside of us. An audible voice is external. A waking vision is external. A prophetic word that God speaks through someone else is external. Sometimes circumstances aligning with what God says is external. We see something outside of us. It's not just this internal feeling. Okay, the internal feeling is not not any less important. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. But sometimes when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we need to ask God to confirm it externally. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so sometimes you might sense that God's saying something. And sometimes it might be something really big, like move from Denver, Colorado to Launceston. That was really big. Where's Launceston? Where's Denver? It's a little place. But see, it's one thing to have a sense of hearing God say something, and it's another thing to say, okay, God, will you confirm that? Will you confirm that through other prophetic people who don't know what's happening? Will you confirm that through circumstances? Will you confirm that through external things? Are you still with me? We need both. Let me just make a a point here on hearing God's voice between the Old Testament prophet and the New Testament prophetic. In the Old Testament, nobody had relationship with God except he sent prophets who heard his voice 
and spoke his word. And people had to respond to them as if they were hearing God. Today, because of what Christ has done, every one of us have a relationship with God and every one of us can hear his voice. It's a whole different story. In the Old Testament, if the prophet got it wrong, he was representing God. They were to kill him. In the New Testament, if prophecy goes wrong, we're to kill him. No. <laughs> no, because what it is in the New Testament is more confirmation of what you're already hearing God say rather than direction. Do you understand the, the difference? There's a big difference between only one person hearing God. I want to tell you that if we're not careful, we abdicate the privilege that we have of knowing God's voice and saying, let someone else tell me what God's saying. I want to tell you, if you don't know what God's saying and you need someone else to tell you what God's will for your life is, you're not ready to do it, whatever it is. Okay? If you can't hear God, then it's not, okay, God, tell me what you will for my life. Is Should I be a missionary in, in some other part of the world? If you can't hear God, then you have no business being a missionary. What are you going to do? You're going to do your own experience, your own wisdom, rather than hearing God. You still with me? So what we have in the New Testament is the uh, manifestation of prophecy or the gift of prophecy where the Holy Spirit supernaturally speaks to us something for someone else. And then we have that gift of the prophetic, which is someone that Jesus gives to the church that helps equip in that. And then in the New Testament, there's also prophets. But they have a whole lot less of a place than prophecy. Doesn't mean that they're less important, but because we don't have to uh, just someone else tell us what God is saying, then they have less of a place because we can hear God. We okay here? Okay. So the third aspect, first aspect, intimacy with God, second aspect is hearing God's voice, and the third aspect is being empowered for ministry in life. Let me tell you, there was an expectation in the New Testament that believers needed the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's to your benefit that I go because the Holy Spirit will come. There was an expectation that people were baptized in the Spirit once they received Jesus. Acts 19 and verse 2. I love this. When uh, Paul comes to Ephesus, he said, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's still the question for us today. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Have you been empowered? So, very quickly here, let me finish and then get into where this is all going. What's the fruit 
of the prophetic gift in the church. Firstly, it's an increased hunger for the presence of God. Secondly, it's growing in hearing God's voice. That's part of what the equipping is about. Thirdly, it's an increase in the supernatural manifestations of the Spirit. In other words, it's a love for the Holy Spirit. What's the apostolic, fruit of the apostolic? Bottom line is it's a love for Jesus. What's the fruit of the prophetic? It's a love for the Holy Spirit, hearing God's voice. So what does that mean for us? I want to just throw a couple of thoughts at you. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to be. Because you need the supernatural power for life and for ministry. Otherwise, you're stuck on your own. And Jesus said, it's to our, our advantage. With that, though, there comes some times when we need some breakthroughs. When whatever happening, the, the rulership of Christ isn't actually working out in our life yet. And so sometimes, in addition to the Holy Spirit, or with the Holy Spirit, we need times of prayer, times of fasting. And I would just ask you to, to do this. If you would consider, there's a number of people in situations in this church who need some breakthroughs. Physically, spiritually, cir circumstances. And uh, I'm gonna ask you if you would spend some time this week praying beyond yourself, and maybe fasting, not the whole week, maybe a meal, maybe something that, you know, what, between you and God. Because I actually believe that we, we're wanting to see something next week of a breakthrough in God, and then we're going to spend some time fasting on a specific day the following week, if we can. Uh, does that make sense? Are you still... Okay, uh, fasting is not trying to twist God's arm. I'm not going to eat until you do what I say. <laughs> I had a friend who did that. He took over a church and they were in debt and said, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to eat until you clear out this debt. And God just laughed at him and let him not eat for about 15 days. <laughs> and in the process, the debt was all cleared out and he didn't even know it. Fasting is not trying to convince God to do something he doesn't want to do. Fasting is us sensitizing ourselves to the spirit, to the realm of the spirit. We live, well, we'll talk about it next Sunday, but we live in this time where God's present, his kingdom is present, but it's not absolutely complete. There is a completing of the kingdom that will come. The power of death has been broken but death has not been annihilated yet. When Jesus comes again, it will be annihilated. There's still death, but the power has been broken. Power of sin has been broken, but sin hasn't been annihilated. We can still sin, but we don't have to. The power of the devil has been broken, but the devil hasn't been vanquished to a lake of fire, which the Bible says will be the end. So when Jesus comes in this authority and power, all that will happen, but we've got that, the kingdom breaking in, but it's not complete yet. 
And so our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, our partnering with him, brings that rulership into our circumstances and situations. Brings that rulership into our life, into our city. We used to sing a song a number of years ago that Jesus, you're the, the Lord of the city. I want to tell you that's not true. Jesus is not the Lord of the city. He's the Lord of people. And people who submit to his rulership, he's their Lord. But people who don't, he's not Lord. It's not a geographical area that he's Lord of. It's people. And so as his rulership comes into our lives, as we align ourselves with him and sensitize ourselves to the Holy Spirit, he's able to do much more in this in-between time until the kingdom. When the kingdom comes in power, every knee will bow. People will not have a choice, but now they have a choice. I'm getting into next week's. <laughs> I really would try not to do that. But it's all tied together. Because that's the working out of the apostolic and the prophetic in the church. But there's some people who need some breakthroughs. And so we want to pray, but we also want to add to that some fasting and praying. I want to pray this morning. I want us to pray together the rulership of, of Jesus into circumstances and situations and people who are facing some uh, health situations. And then we're going to give an opportunity for people to respond to the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to do some baptisms. So we've got a whole lot to do in the next five minutes. So I'm going to, I'm not trying to put you on a spot, but if you need breakthrough, would you just stand so we can pray with you? Okay, there's some of us we know the circumstances, some of us don't. Thank you. But we're going to just pray. We, what is breakthrough? It's the kingdom coming. It's the rulership of Jesus in those circumstances. Sometimes it means us submitting to something he's doing, but often it just means that there's opposition still. And so we need to see breakthrough. And so we want to just pray. Let me say this. We're going to pray, but sometimes it takes sustained prayer. Sometimes it takes prayer where we're not telling God what we want him to do, but we're hearing, God, what do you want to do? What's the circumstances here? What needs to be adjusted? I heard a uh, pastor years ago had an incredible impact on my life. He was talking about a lady in his church who had a, a skin problem, and they prayed and prayed and prayed, and she didn't get free and finally he, he and his wife decided okay we need to get with you and we're just going to ask God and so they got together and they just began to say Lord what, what's happening what do you want to do and his wife had this picture of a little kid falling down in the snow and getting really cold and said does this mean anything to her and the guy said yeah I used to my dad would send me out to get the eggs from the chicken coop in the winter and I'd always fall in the snow and I got really really angry that I had to go get the eggs so there was something of bringing forgiveness and had another picture of a old wooden stir, uh, clothes stirring stick that they used to when they did uh, wash clothes in a big pot they had a big stick and 
said, yeah, my uncle used to beat me with that when I uh, didn't do what he thought I should. And so there was a forgiveness there. And while they're going through all this stuff, the gal's skin is totally healed. So sometimes we think what we see is the issue when sometimes it's something else. And so sometimes prayer is not just saying, God, will you do this? But it's actually saying, God, how does your rulership come in this circumstance, in this situation? What adjustments, if any, do I need to make? And, that, and that, sometimes that's the case. It's not always the case. But sometimes it's just us saying, Lord, I submit to your rulership in this. So if you're near any of these guys, would you just stand, put your hand on them. We're just going to pray together. They've been standing long enough. If you can't figure out who they are, then it's too late for you. Lord, you said that we can come boldly to your throne room of grace. And we do that right now. Lord, we realize it's not a place. We don't have to go to Jerusalem or someplace, but it's the place of your presence. And your presence is here. And so we come to your throne room of grace right now and receive grace to help. And we simply ask, Jesus, will you move in grace? We don't deserve it. We're not commanding you. We're simply aligning ourselves with you and saying, will you bring your rulership? Will you overthrow every work of the enemy? Will you bring adjustment where adjustment's necessary? Will you turn circumstances around where it's circumstantial? But Lord, will, will you bring breakthrough? We simply ask for breakthrough. We realize that you did the supernatural when you preached the gospel of the kingdom. Your rulership has come. And we're no longer under the rule of Satan. We're no longer under the rule of this planet, but we're under the rule of the king who's full of love and grace, who's greater than every power and every authority, whose name is above every name. And we just submit ourselves to your rulership and say, in every circumstance, will you do what only you can do? Lord, you're more than aware. We're not trying to convince you to do something you don't want to do. We're just simply agreeing with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We want to continue to pray. We want to continue to see your kingdom moving forward. We want to continue to see breakthroughs, not only in our lives. Lord, we're grateful for what we have seen. We're grateful that we've seen your hand at work. We're grateful for Diane's father coming to Jesus at 96. We're grateful for those who've been struggling with cancer that you've touched already. Father, we just simply say, will you bring the supernatural breakthrough? We thank you for it. 
We thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy One. Just go ahead and pray. Let's just take a moment. I want you to just pray in the Spirit. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. We just pray in the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the supernatural. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for breakthrough. introduction for next week because I want to give us some understanding about how we pray and what things we can pray for and what things we just need the uh, supernatural discipline of the Holy Spirit Uh, there's something about the kingdom coming and the kingdom that's here eventually when the kingdom comes and we are with Jesus we won't age but we're not there yet. I've prayed that my hair would be blonde again for 30 years. Yes, it started going white when I was 30. And so uh, it hasn't worked. Okay, that could be part of the kingdom to come and not this one. (laughs) It wouldn't recognize me. Yeah, I wouldn't recognize me anymore. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, my question for you is, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? That was Paul's question. Why? Because that's an essential part of life in the kingdom. And so we're going to actually kind of move that way in just a moment around the baptism. Those who are going to get baptized, you'll need to change clothes or do whatever you need to do. We're going to all join in with you. But in that process, if you would love someone to pray with you for receiving the Holy Spirit, we'd love to pray with you. But it comes down to you you asking. The Bible says he gives the Holy Spirit to them that ask. It's not we have the Holy Spirit to give to you. He's got the Spirit he gives to those who ask. He's a loving Father. He doesn't hold back. So if you'd like someone to pray with you, if you'd come to the front, there'll be some people who pray with you. Otherwise, let's move that direction and let's celebrate baptisms. Amen. Amen.